and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. I'm Darren Hefty. We're going to be talking about calcium as the main topic, but also tackling any agronomic questions you may have at 844-44-AG-PHD. And you can always email us, radio at agphd.com. Well, it's a Monday, and I started the day off uh, with, with our guys in the farm shop just looking at equipment that needed parts that we don't have yet. And for the most part, we're in a pretty good spot, but there's still a few things that we're trying to get. And I, I think we'll get everything in time, uh, but you just don't know. And that's been one of the tricky things about this year is, okay, we got to work on plan A and we got to work on plan B as well of, okay, if we don't get this, what are we going to do? And if we aren't using that piece of equipment, well, what would we do instead? And, and so forth. So it's been quite interesting. And even down to which crop you're going to plant, we've got our acres designated for specific crops. We've got seed on hand and so forth, but there's still a few farmers that I talked to that are deciding, well, what am I going to do with that last piece of ground? That's my flex piece. It could go either way. Might go corn, might go beans, or or maybe it's a different crop that's going to go in there. And uh, I'm surprised so many guys are still on the fence thinking about that a little bit because there's got to be a point where you say, man, I just got to get seed on hand. And this year is going to be an interesting one for sure. There's there's definitely going to be uh, some last-minute decisions made. Uh, well, if one of those last-minute decisions you've got to make on your farm is calcium, that, that'll be part of our topic today. For the most part, when I talk to farmers about calcium, they want to talk to me about lime. And uh, I'll ask a question about calcium, and, and the the farmer may say, well, you know, I, I limed two years ago, so I'm going to give it another year before I look at it again and, and just let that calcium completely play out. And lime is certainly one calcium source, but there are a lot of others. I started getting some some random questions on calcium with micronutrients back when we were using a product called TJ Micromix uh, back 15 years ago or more. And we would see, oh, there's calcium and magnesium in the product. Well, what do we need calcium and magnesium for? And in many cases, I would talk to fertilizer companies and they'd say, oh, no, no, you can't put calcium in there. That's going to tie stuff up. We're going to have problems. But when we were doing some research and trying some different products uh, with that particular one, when we tried it without the calcium, uh, we had a response. But when we tried it with the calcium, we had more of a response. And when we look at what calcium actually does, it helps nutrients get into the plant. Uh, the way Neil Kinsey says it, all nutrients other than boron get into the plant on the back of calcium. And when you look at calcium as critical, available calcium as critical to getting nutrients into the plant. It, it just puts a whole new perspective on this nutrient. Most farmers I talk to want to discuss NP and K. Some that listen to the show or watch the TV show occasionally will say, I know you guys like your micronutrients too. Yeah, we like all the essential nutrients for our crop. And it's primary nutrients, NP and K, and micronutrients that get talked about. And then maybe sulfur, but calcium and magnesium don't get much play in a lot of parts of the, the country. And so I think about calcium as one of those nutrients that, yeah, it's important that we talk about it. It's important that we look at, well, what do we have in our soil and is it available? And this is a little tricky. So we've, we're going to have a couple great guests on today to talk just about that. What is available calcium? What difference does it make? 
no, excuse me, in the, the crop program. And, and how do we get that? Because when we think about that available calcium piece, even if your soil has lots and lots of calcium out there, it may not be available for your crop. And that's one of those concepts that I really struggled with. Um, so I'll give you a couple of examples. So we've got some high calcium soils. We've got some excess lime where literally in the soil or in the subsoil, you can see little white chunks of basically lime that, that isn't breaking down out in the soil. And it throws off soil samples and, and makes uh, management of nutrients a little bit trickier. But when we look at these really high calcium soils, what we'll often see then is 85 or 90% or even more base saturation calcium. What we're targeting on the base saturation test with calcium is somewhere in the 60 or 65 on the low end or maybe 70, 75 on the higher end percentage calcium. So a lot of the negatively charged soil part, well, the negatively charged soil colloids on those negative charges, you're going to attach positively charged nutrients, calcium being one of them. We want a lot of calcium out there as a percentage on those binding sites. And what it does, calcium helps with soil structure. And I always think about this, calcium would be like a beach ball and magnesium would be like a grain of sand. And we need lots of those beach balls out there to have lots of porosity and lots of air in our soil. The higher the calcium percentage, the the better the, the natural drainage is going to be to a point. And then when you're in really light sandy soils, you need some of that magnesium in there and probably a little higher percentage than you would in a clay soil to, to try and tighten things up and hold a little more water. So that balance with calcium and magnesium is going to be really important. If you happen to tune in for the, the Neil Kinsey seminar that we had back about a month ago, he spent most of his time talking about calcium and magnesium and how those two nutrients can really set you up. And yes, you have to deliver all the N, P, and K and sulfur and micros that you're going to need to raise the crop. But that calcium and magnesium balance out in the soil is going to help you achieve your goals by creating that pore space and helping nutrients to get into your plant, helping your plant to be able to find them. So we'll talk about that today. We, we've got uh, uh, our, our friend Rob Dedman down in Arkansas. Uh, he's going to be on the show in a little bit to talk just just about how that has worked with a lot of the nutrient programs he's putting together. And uh, we would also take your questions as well. I just had one just before the show here, a farmer over in Minnesota looking at gypsum, looking at uh, other ways to get that available calcium out for his crop. And not only was he going to broadcast the gypsum, he was going to mix a little bit in as he went across with the planter and try and get some down in the seed zone too, to, or close by the seed, to try and get available calcium for his crop. There are a lot of strategies that can be used for this nutrient. So we'll talk more about that today. And again, we'll take your calls and questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. We'll be right back. What's new from New Farm? Leopard Herbicide brings you exceptional planting flexibility for soybeans, field corn, and cotton. Leopard provides your spray plans with a fall or early spring option to boost resistance management. And did we mention it's a highly compatible tank mix partner due to its ultra-low use rate? Ask your dealer for Leopard Herbicide. Available for fall. 
It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. Your schedule can change by the minute, making it hard to stay on top of the latest agronomy information. But at Ag PhD, we have some good news for you. If you miss an episode of Ag PhD TV or radio, you can catch up at agphd.com. With years of valuable content and latest episodes available to stream for free, you can continue building your agronomic knowledge on any schedule. While you're there, don't forget to check for upcoming Ag PhD events and workshops. Watch, listen, and learn at agphd.com. The first name and last word in weed control in heavier, higher organic soil types is Authority Edge Herbicide from FMC. This proprietary combination of actives outperforms the competition, delivering up to 14 more days of residual control. Visit your FMC retailer or ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow all label directions. Authority Edge Herbicide may not be registered for sale or use in all states. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today and talking about a nutrient that should be at the top of your list. But let's face it, for many of us, we're thinking about N, P, and K first. Then we're maybe thinking about sulfur. Then we're thinking about micronutrients. And we're totally skipping over a couple of secondary nutrients that have just huge importance to our crop, namely calcium and magnesium. So we're talking about calcium on today's program. Also taking your agronomic questions via phone line 844-44-AG-PHD or email radio at agphd.com. Let's head down to Arkansas. We've got our friend Rob Dedman on with us right now to talk just a little bit about this important nutrient. Rob, thanks for joining us. Hi, Darren. How are you today? Well, I'm doing pretty good. I don't have Brian in the studio today, and it's it's just a different feeling here, Rob, without him. I, I, I guess I'm not going to have that dissenting view in, in, in the studio, so maybe you'll disagree with me on this and say, no, Darren, calcium's not important. Please, please, Rob, please agree with me on this. Calcium's a big deal. I'm going to have to agree with you on calcium. I think it, you know, calcium is listed as one of the secondary nutrients, and, and, and in my opinion, there's, there's four primary nutrients, NPK and calcium. All right, so talk to us about that, because you've got some different soils that you get to run into in your part of the world, and I know you got some variable ground, too, where you got a, a, a mix of, of different things going on. Where does calcium fall in? Do you have too much? Do you not have enough? Uh, what kind of challenges do you face there? All of the above. Um, you know, on our, our sandy soils, we, we tend to, uh, to run low on calcium, and, and, and therefore we... we Get the cow mag gets way out of proportion on us, and so we tend to want to have to, to we're having to, to lime those. You know whether we're using a uh, dolomitic limestone or, or, an, or a high high cow lime, you know, and it's that's probably done on on it's done you know every three years basically in in, in a lot of cases, and, and then on our heavy clay soils, we have you know really actually it's not high enough calcium but we have really high high magnesium 
and, and so it goes back to you know the the beach ball you know analogy you used that soil is really tight so therefore we've got a lot of those grains of, of of sand in that beach ball we need a whole lot more beach balls you know we're we're talking about soils that have got four and five thousand pounds of calcium in them you know per per acre and 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 we need to be probably double that to get these clay soils to loosen up some yeah, it's interesting. The the heavy ground, there are some nice benefits of heavy ground, especially when you've got uh, a really dry year and you don't have irrigation. You can hold some more moisture, those types of things. But, boy, it is expensive to, to move the needle in heavy ground and, and get things back into order. So a lot of times, I know for our farm, too, we'll look at, okay, that's way too expensive to, to justify an economic return in one year, but it's something that we got to be aware of. And over the next 10 or 15 years, we just keep making changes as we can afford and try and get it get it back to where we need to be. Do you find, Rob, when you get guys that get that calcium back lined up in some of that heavy ground that they're, they're in a good spot for a long time, or is it something that requires a lot of maintenance? I, you know, I, I think it works for a long time. I think once you get it pulled back into balance that it'll stay there a whole lot better than it does in, than it does in the sandier soils that we deal with. You know, I think about N, P, and K and how many pounds of those we're removing in a one or two or three year crop rotation. Uh, with calcium, we are removing some all the time. But the other spot where I see, like from our own farm, where our mistakes are made is if we ever overdo nitrogen. When that nitrogen leaches out, it often is going to be grabbing a calcium and lowering our calcium out in the soil. So I know one of our things that, that Brian and I learned as we were growing up, our dad thought a little more nitrogen was often the answer. And many times I'm sure he was right, but there were enough times that he wasn't right that we had some pretty low pHs. We got a, a new piece of ground this year that we picked up. There's some pHs down into the fours, and we're, we're going to need a lot of calcium to get that thing turned around. Yeah, you know, it's I, you're, you're exactly right. I mean, it's just... When we when we use too much nitrogen, we burn up calcium, or well, I say we burn it up, we 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 leach it out or, or whatever, and and then it's so many times that I, I see that we putting lime on seems to be a problem. It's it, it's it's it, it's it's labor intensive. It's not convenient. Uh, it's a long way to go get it and all that. So farmers really try to to push that that time between limings out and 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 you see that and and you know we always put back our our potassium and our, and our phosphorus and stuff and in sulfur and zinc all our micros every year we, we look at the removal on those but we tend not to pay attention to that you know and when you look at 230 bushel corn you know it's 33 pounds of calcium a year that you're taking away you know and and what is i i think a you know, a, a ton of high cal limes, about uh, 300 pounds of calcium in there, if I'm not mistaken. And and so you're, you're steadily working on that every year, and, and it does go away. Yeah, that's interesting to, to take a look at. Okay, maybe it's a maybe it's a 10-year deal that if you do everything else perfect, you can make it 10 years. But I know what you mean. I, I talk to so many farmers in, in different parts of North America that say, oh, man, our lime source is too far away, and uh, what are our other options? Sometimes it's pelletized lime that that might be the best, most cost-effective thing for, for the time being. But other folks look at things like gypsum. Is, is gypsum something that gets used a lot in your part of the world? 
No, it's not. It's something that we probably really do need to use a lot more, though, because in a, in our clay soils, gypsum would be the, the the answer all. You know, we could we could get that calcium out there with that all that sulfur. That sulfur would tie up to that magnesium, help help uh, you know get it out of the soil profile, build that calcium up, open that soil up, and get some drainage going in it. Would really be good. Hey, speak of drainage, we've been talking to Matt Miles about this as well. You guys are getting some drain tile installed. What do you know about that, and what what do you, how do you think that's going to impact uh, all these management practices we're talking about here? Yeah, you know I, that project is is is, is going to be interesting to watch over the next year or two. And uh, so far, that it looks really good. You know, we're 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 seeing that that ground is drying up quicker. Uh, between rainfalls, that, that water goes away quicker. Uh, what is going to change about that soil? You know, it's a high clay soil that that's in. So I think we're going to have to help that soil possibly to open it up to get the exact drainage that we want in there, which may mean that we need to add some gypsum to that field. You know, that may be drain tile, may be the answer to economically fix these high clay soils with high mag in them you know with when you got the drainage and you know that you can produce a crop you may be able to justify bringing like stuff like the gypsum in there to, to raise the calcium up high enough to pull the magnesium down and get all that in balance that may be where that that where the economics are at in that project yeah, it's going to be fun to watch how, how that works for you guys. I'm, I'm really excited about that for you because one of the things I was thinking about is it's going to help the corn a lot. It's Well, it's going to help every crop, but but your high-yielding beans that you're shooting for, you know, that's another area where a lot of times I'll talk to corn farmers or in the corn part of their rotation, and they're all excited about lime. I don't hear that as much in front of soybeans. What do you think about calcium in soybeans? Do you, do you see anything specific there? You guys have done such a fantastic job raising hundred plus bushel soybeans in a part of the world where people said, no, no, that can't happen here. Uh, you, you guys are managing around that. Is calcium part of that equation too? Yeah. You know, whenever, whenever we're writing the fertilizer prescriptions and stuff for the farm, it's, it's calcium takes a, a, a one crop approach. You know, it's, we want the pHs to stay between six, five and seven as about close as we can. And definitely calcium is an important role in those soybeans. You know, it, it helps with the uh, nodule development and, and stuff like that, and, you know, and just nutrient movement through the plant in general. So it's very important. Yeah, I, I think it's fun talking about NP and K and sulfur and all these other things, but we don't get to talk about calcium much and, and really appreciate we're talking with Rob Dedman here who, who consults down in uh, Arkansas and the surrounding area about nutrition, but just crop management in general. Uh, Rob, thank you so much. You've been generous with your time as always, and, and good luck to you here as you head into the spring. Sounds great. Thanks. You bet. We're talking calcium on our show today. If you have an agronomic question, it can it can be about calcium or it can be about something else. That's fine, too. Our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. The value of your farm building is in its ability to protect what's stored inside. That's why Morton Buildings ensures that every machine, storage, and insulated workshop we build will provide superior strength and durability. As a 100% employee-owned company, we're all committed to being the industry leader with a focus on innovation, service, quality, and most importantly, customer satisfaction. To get started on your next project, please visit mortonbuildings.com. 
Protect your empire. Rule your fields with dual modes of action. Low-use rate Authority Supreme Herbicide from FMC combines Group 14 and Group 15 modes of action for pre-plant and pre-emergence control of key broadleaf weeds and grasses. A preventative application keeps your fields clean when it matters most to crop productivity. Visit your FMC retailer or ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow all label directions. This is Stormy Fields with your weather forecast. Today calls for a high of 68 degrees with sunny skies and not a cloud in sight. Planting windows can close fast, so when you need both speed and accuracy, choose John Deere. Our exact emerge planters and precision ag technologies give you precise seed placement for uniform emergence and the efficiency you need to gain ground. See what you have to gain at johndeere.com slash gain ground. Boost your productivity and profitability with Soil Warrior from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and your yield potential in just one strip-till pass. Now that's ROI. Contact us today at SoilWarrior.com. Improve germination in your fields with the Germinator Closing Wheel from Farm Shop MFG. Our unique spike design seals your seed within a firm vein of soil, providing maximum seed-to-soil contact and maximum germination. Order a set for your planter at farmshopmfg.com. Ag PhD has one mission, to give you the knowledge you need to make your farm more successful. That's why every issue of the Ag PhD Insider Magazine features crop fertility and pest management tips, insights into the world's highest-yielding farmers, Updates and results from our infield research trials, as well as the latest agronomy information from Brian and Darren Hefty. We put it all in one place so you can make your farm more productive and profitable. Subscribe to the Ag PhD Insider at agphdinsider.com. Soybean growers are dealing a swift blow to tough broad leaves and grasses with the two-in-one power of Moccasin MTZ. Moccasin MTZ combines the power of s metolachlor and a higher load of Metribuzin for outstanding weed control right from the outset with extended residual control to keep tough weeds down, including pigweed, water hemp, ragweed, and mare's tail. In addition to annual grasses like foxtail and barnyard grass, ask your retailer about Moccasin MTZ and always read and follow label directions. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today, talking about calcium. And when we talk about calcium, one of my favorite all-time guests is Dick Goff, who used to work with Midwest Labs for a long time and and did fertility training uh, for Brian and me and for for many across the country. Uh, Such a great resource. And we're lucky enough to have Dick on with us today to talk a little bit about calcium. Dick, thank you so much. Really appreciate you joining us. Oh, it's nice to be there. It's nice to be able to be here at 85. You don't know where you're going to be. <laughs> yeah. So calcium, Dick, I know, I know I'm probably setting you off on a, probably a three or four hour presentation here, at least if, if we had the time for it. But when you think about calcium, this is one of those nutrients that not enough people are focused on. Talk to us about this. When we look at soil tests, what should we be looking for? And what should be some triggers that we see out in the field that say, hey, we've got to address calcium here? Uh, that's right. And I, I started making notes on there, and I got a page and a half, which I'm not going to look at. But <laughs> what uh, you fellows were just talking about goes right down the line of a lot of the things that we've got to recognize 
that calcium is an interaction or, or a trigger for a whole lot of other uh, materials. For example, potassium availability is relative to the solubility of calcium. Now, solubility does not mean if it's got high calcium and a pH over 7, you still aren't getting potash available. That has been the problem in Canada and the problem in North Dakota. And one interesting thing, years ago I ran into a Canadian potash corporation agronomist was in one of my meetings. I was scared to death if I knew he was there, but I didn't know it till the end. And he asked me a question. He said, why? He said, we are trying to get these farmers to use some potassium in their in-roll, what they're doing with uh, grain. And, of course, their attitude is different than ours when they're talking about how many townships they're planting and not acres. And he said they found that they put potassium in with their other uh, normal fertilizers and they just weren't getting any results. It wasn't getting up, the protein wasn't better, the yield wasn't doing anything, yet the plant was low in, low in uh, potassium. Well, they all of a sudden realized, I suppose in sorting their material, like I've done a lot, you, they, wherever that farmer was using ammonium sulfate as a starter, and I know a lot of them were doing that up there, they got good potassium uptake, high yield, high protein, everything. Well, as just an example now as to what calcium can trigger and the other secondary nutrient, sulfur. I, I really now, I look at calcium-magnesium ratio, see some what that soil test is giving me as far as being a, able to produce physical stuff through biological activity, have the air exchange in the soil. But here's the one thing we run into between, I had a lot of contact with Ohio State earlier. Their CECs out there, in their clays are like 10s and 12s. Here, our clays are 20s plus or minus, maybe even 10 in some areas. And so the ratio of calcium to magnesium changes. In their soils, they had to have to have 10 to 1, 9 to 1 ratio. In our soils, 3 to 1 is the critical. But... Here's one of the things, this is my biggest learning thing, is listening to the farmers and talking to the farmers and looking what, why some of these problems were and what were the soil tests showing. I had a meeting in Iowa where a group of farmers, about 20 of them from West Central, uh, Eastern, Western, yeah, I had the right direction, uh, Western Iowa, Caught me after the meeting, mine was over at four, and they found out we could keep the room, and we were there at seven. 
<laughs> it doesn't surprise me at all, down. Dick. It doesn't surprise me. I've been to a number of your meetings, and there are always so many questions and uh, and thoughts yeah. that you generate that you're right. It's going to take some time to follow up. Well, here's the thing they found. When they got up to 10 and even 12 to 1 ratio and those soils along the western side of Iowa on the bluffs up there, they're still getting yield increases from gypsum. Wow. So the point is that that ratio does change. Now, why? Because our holding capacity of the clay here is about oh, almost 20 times better than oil because of the type of clay. The elite, uh, the ones that are broke down, they can't hold as much. So if you can't hold as much, you need to have a bigger proportion because our soil's got all kinds of calcium as a reserve. But we've got to get that reserve available, and that's where the combination of sulfur with nitrogen or the sulfur on. I, I've got some solar fields here in the river valley, and here I'm putting straight sulfur on because my sun's soil and my soil is like a 7, 8 pH, and we've got all kinds of calcium. But putting gypsum on all of a sudden turns those soils on, and we got the best gardens in the whole valley. So in that so, case, in that case, Dick, what, why would you use gypsum versus using ammonium sulfate? Are you fine with either one? Uh, both. Uh, these fellows that are putting ammonium sulfate on, and on my own, I kind of quit that several years ago because I already I'm up to about five tons, and uh, it lasts. And it does move down, but the key is it has to be put on the top and not plowed down or deep chiseled down. You'll let it work from the top down. And that gypsum, you remember, is about 25% sulfur and only 7%, 17% calcium. So all that sulfur is what is doing. Then I use ammonium sulfate. And my lawns and the neighbors' lawns that want to mow twice a week, we put on ammonium sulfate only after we've had a couple of years of N, P, and K. And your biological activity and your lawn, uh, just like my my backyard, I've got put grass on that and leaf mulch in the fall. I have it on there about four or five inches thick on my, well, my, not a big grass lawn, but it's a, a small, it provides all my vegetables. And now, we put it on in the fall, and now it's gone. There's wow. no more out there. It's all decomposed over the winter. People think it don't do it over the winter. It does. There's biological, there's fungus that's working. And night crawlers are dragging it, and before it freezes up down in their holes, they then they, so they're moving it down in the soil, and it is all decomposed. It doesn't bother me on planting. I just go ahead and I I have haven't uh, killed the ground or turned it over or rototiller. I won't even touch it with that. But I I just work the surface. Uh, about an inch or so, and I've never gone deeper than that. And we had some last year some five, six inch rains, standing water out there. The neighbors' was, the yard, even as the lawn was full 
of water. Mine was gone an hour after the rain quit. Yeah, it's just it's and just amazing. Like, like Dick, you yeah, talk about and calcium and the ground firm, but it's aerated. Yeah, getting that natural uh, air in the soil, having the the pore space out there with the calcium is so critical. Uh, Dick, if it's okay, we'd like to have you on for another segment here. If you can hang on for just a minute, we got to take a quick commercial break here. We're talking calcium, and as you can tell, we've got the great Dick Goff on. If you've got questions for Dick, if you've got questions about calcium or any other agronomic questions, you can call us as well at eight four four. We'll be right back. If you've ever wondered how the Farmall got its name, here's an abbreviated list of the jobs the Case IH Farmall can do. Baling, cutting hay, feeding, hauling, loading, pulling, raking, cleaning barn, mixing feed, fertilizing, mowing, chopping, seeding, clearing, irrigating, furrowing, cultivating, hitching, digging, emergency tow, harrowing, hoisting, leading parades, excavating, grading. (sighs) Let's make it simple. This tractor does it all. So no matter what you're doing, can do comes in red. Farmall. Learn more at caseih.com slash farmall. What do you think of when you hear Palmer Amaranth or water hemp? If you use fierce herbicide in your soybean fields, you don't have to think about them at all. With two effective modes of action and up to eight weeks of residual control, Fierce takes on even the toughest weeds like water hemp and Palmer Amaranth. Take control of your soybean fields and get incentives from Bayer Plus Rewards when you choose the power of Fierce Herbicide. Talk to your local retailer today to put Fierce to work in your fields. Always read and follow label directions. Did you know soybean diseases like white mold and sudden death syndrome can survive in your soil even after rotating crops? Prevention of these diseases is a constant battle and yield loss from an infection can be devastating. The right management plan makes all the difference. Keep your beans safe this spring with Heads Up Seed Treatment. Heads Up guards your seed from both white mold and SDS. Stay protected and profitable by asking your seed dealer for Heads Up. Learn more at headsupst.com. Every week for more than two decades, AgPhD TV has provided agronomic information to make your farm more productive and profitable. In each episode, we discuss a wide range of topics covering everything from crop fertility, promoting soil health, improving the environment, pest control, and more, all designed to help you push your farm to higher yield goals and more profitability. Be sure to catch us on Tuesdays and Saturdays on RFD TV. Check your local listings or visit agphd.com to learn more. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. The next generation of weed control in wheat, Wide AR Match Herbicide. Uh, I'm sorry, is this a typo? I mean, there's an AR in the middle of Wide Match. Mm-hmm, that's the name. It's called Wide R Match Herbicide. Oh, my bad. From the top. <clears throat> Wide R Match from Corteva AgriScience. It's not a typo. It's an upgrade. The AR stands for Arlax Active for improved control of the toughest broadleaf weeds in wheat. Talk with your retailer to learn more.
Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We are talking calcium, and we are so happy to have Dick Goff on with us as well. Dick has been a great resource for for Brian and me for many years, and and calcium is one of I think Dick's favorite. To- is that fair, Dick? Is that one of your favorite topics? Is calcium? Yeah, it is, and and that's what I get asked to talk about all the time. And you know, it's favorite because it's right there in front of us. We've been fighting it for years because of a lot of the tight soils and oh, some high ups in our state have been really on me. Well, why are you putting gypsum on when you don't, and you got all kinds of calcium because it works. It gets everything going to work. The thing is, calcium and gypsum does not tie up with that calcium that's not available. Calcium's got to be available. I emphasize that. Not just available. And sulfur breaks down that calcium and that in there. You know, I learned that from the Hutterites. They were the first ones that taught me that. They started taking out, they took these these piles, the sugar beet uh, piles out, sure. and they spread it on the fields that they were irrigating that has overloaded with sodium. When their yields were down to like 100 bushel, they'd try to haul those out there. They said they didn't know how much they put on. They tried to put 1,000, but they said it's probably closer to two. And then 100 pounds of sulfur, elemental, and the next year that field was back up to their 160 or 70. They, they weren't getting much more than that, but uh, that's a different country out there. Sure. And that sodium, I'm sure, still way in there. Yeah, getting that, getting things to flush through soil has been a big deal, and I know for a lot of guys, the the topic gets to be, well, that means drainage tile, and that's a huge expense. But getting available calcium, getting calcium out there in in the right ratio out in your soil can just improve that natural drainage so much. Uh, you know, we've talked about several things here, Dick, and I know you said you had a couple pages of notes just to get started, just to try to narrow it down a little bit with this conversation with calcium. So for growers, how do they know if they have available calcium? Because I do think too many guys look at their tests and see how many thousands of pounds they have out there or, or yep. what a big percentage they have in the soil. That doesn't tell them availability. No, yet yet. That brings me to another note I had up here. We did three years of studies with one of the universities. I can't say who because they abandoned the whole thing and we had the data. They couldn't take it away from us because we paid for it. So I've got it all, but I can't name and do it. Three-year comparisons where they were looking at the K-test as we do it now related to the K release test. Well, when we ran it, we ran all the trace minerals and everything. They were only wanted to, what did the K release and what that test was, a week-long test where they flushed the K out and then measured it for a week to see how long it took the K to replace that in the sense of the this, this sense that Roots grow through on that zone. The next bunch of roots come down through that same zone again, and then some more are they replacing. 
that data we had for three years. Steve Curley and I studied that stuff. We didn't know which end that we were looking at. And finally, I don't know who it's on this said, let's take and look at all the reps, regardless of where they are or what they show, at those reps that had the highest K or a K in a given zone. And we sorted it out, started out with about three different levels of K. And then we went back and looked at our data to see what the K release test was. Well, when the K test was down or high, if it didn't have a calcium-magnesium ratio better than 3 to 1, about 3 to 1, then lighter soil that had to be higher than that, if it didn't, the release, the release wasn't there. But with the same amount of K in the soil, where the calcium-magnesium was at 4 to 1, 5 to 1, and like these fellows in Western Iowa said, it should be 10 to 1. Ohio says that because that's relative. See, they weren't looking at the CECs at all, what the holding capacity was. But they were fairly uniform down there, but they tried all these things. So you got to look at that, what that soil's holding capacity is. And the K release is, is that K releasing as the plant needs it? And the calcium is the trigger, regardless of the soil test. And that's what we found in in uh, Dakota, your soils up there too. When even the university said, well, we're not getting K up, and yet we got high K. We started putting sulfur on it, ammonium sulfate, did a whole series of meetings of that big outfit up in North Dakota that was producing. And all the universities did is poo-poo it and down, and there's still a lot of farmers doing it. Well, I like I like that you look at what are the farmers doing, what are farmers having success with, and try to share those stories. And that's it's a lot about what Brian and I are trying to do as well is just find out. Okay, we have these problems, we have these challenges. Let's look at what's working. And I totally agree with you on the sulfur that we, we've got so many growers that over the last ten years, as as there's been less sulfur in the air and less sulfur in our diesel and all these oh, things yeah. that are just seeing more and more response to the point where we feel like. Anything that said a sulfur application didn't give a response from 10 or 20 years ago, we can throw all that out because there's been such a change in our environment. Well, absolutely. And and a change in, and now we're going the other way again. We're going to get rid of all of it in our environment. Or we're going to get rid of these. I'm not against organics. Not my last five, 10, 15 years meetings, half of them were people in organic. And they said, yeah, we agree. And they did learn things from it. And they listened and they asked, but they can't use ammonium sulfate because it's made with sulfur. And they're not even supposed to, I think, use that uh, uh, lime up at the sugar beets because that's a purifier. And it's, but that's just high calcium lime, and you got to put calcium with it, and, and or, or sulfur with it. But it is an excellent product. But you can't can't be organic. But I guess they can use elemental sulfur, which makes no sense to me at all. Because the first <laughs> thing it becomes is sulfuric acid. Yep. Yeah, you it's know, it just don't make any sense. 
No, some of those rules need to get cleaned up. And, and I agree with you. We don't have anything against organic producing either. I mean, I think there's tons of room in agriculture for lots of different ways to do it. And Absolutely. I, I, I just have always liked your approach, Dick, that let's just start with the soil. Let's do what we can to the soil. And you just had a great example earlier uh, just about what, what kind of difference things have made in your garden when you turn things around with uh, the physical properties of the soil, the, the ability yeah. for the biological to, to really get going and with that air exchange. To, to just literally destroy residue in no time. And to me, that's one of the big keys when I see lots of residue building up in fields that we got we got a few things we need to adjust here and, and we get a lot of promise that we can we can make a difference by just making the next right decision. Well, Dick, thank you so much. You've been so generous with your time today. We really appreciate having you on. We'd love to have you on again soon and, and uh, best wishes to you heading into the spring. I'd like that too because I enjoy it. I talk to a lot of your people. Awesome. Awesome. For an hour on the phone. They, they call me and I say, you got an hour? And they say, well, no, we're not going to bother you. No, I said, no, you. I can't answer that. Yes, no question. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. Well, as you see here from the discussion, there are just so many things that are interrelated. And, and we just got into talking about potassium availability. And that seems to be one of my brother's favorite topics, which is why he's going to be disappointed he wasn't on the show today. But uh, just the difference that having that calcium imbalance can make with potassium. But it, it just goes on and on. There's no no doubt. Hey, Dick, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. If, if there's a... Can you call me back after we're done? Sure, for just sure. A second? Just hang, just hang on the line. Let, you bet. I can just hang on. Yeah, yeah. hang on the line here, Dick. Uh, we'll, we'll get right to you. Uh, stay tuned. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We'll be right back. Heat, drought, wind, hail, northern corn leaf blight, gray leaf spot. If your corn is under stress, you are too. Get Veltima fungicide, swift activity, with fast payback, an expanded application window. Makes life simple, and it's the secure choice, with powerful residual for visibly healthier corn. Swift, simple, secure. Veltima fungicide. Call your BASF rep today. Always read and follow label directions. Veltima fungicide is not registered in all states. When you're up in your sprayer, remember to look ahead into the future. Because if you've made the smart decision to plant Enlist E3 soybeans, now's the time to protect them with Enlist herbicides. The superior tank mix flexibility easily allows multiple sites of action and keeps your weed control programs effective beyond just this season. Visit Enlist.com to see how a better weed control system can help fight resistance on your fields today and tomorrow. It takes a team to beat resistant weeds. Experts agree using multiple herbicides with alternate modes of action increases your chances of beating resistant weeds. Tough 5EC is a selective, contact herbicide for post-emergence control of broadleaf weeds, especially herbicide-resistant strains. Tough 5EC is a perfect teammate, having a synergistic effect with HPBD inhibitors and enhances products in the PS2 group. Make Tough 5EC part of your winning team. Ask your local retailer about Tough 5EC or visit BelchamUSA.com. Always read and follow label instructions. Your schedule can change by the minute, making it hard to stay on top of the latest agronomy information. But at Ag PhD, we have some good news for you. If you miss an episode of Ag PhD TV or radio, you can catch up at agphd.com. With years of valuable content and latest episodes available to stream for free, you can continue building your agronomic knowledge on any schedule. While you're there, don't forget to check for upcoming Ag PhD events and workshops. Watch, listen, and learn at agphd.com. 
What does it really mean to provide the best crop nutrition? With AgroLiquid, it means getting a one-of-a-kind approach, one that caters to your specific agronomic needs. You're getting experts who will work with you to create a program unique to your operation, all while accounting for the quality of your soil and the products you're already using. It's not just a product, it's peace of mind knowing we've thought of everything. That's the AgroLiquid way. Apply less, expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. What do you think of when you hear Palmer Amaranth or Water Hemp? If you use fierce herbicide in your soybean fields, you don't have to think about them at all. With two effective modes of action and up to eight weeks of residual control, Fierce takes on even the toughest weeds like water hemp and Palmer Amaranth. Take control of your soybean fields and get incentives from Bayer Plus Rewards when you choose the power of Fierce Herbicide. Talk to your local retailer today to put Fierce to work in your fields. Always read and follow label directions. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Man, I love, 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 love talking with Dick Goff. He's just such a wealth of knowledge, and and uh, calcium is certainly one of his big topics that that he likes to build around, as it is for Neil Kinsey. And and Brandon and I always talk about this too. That here we've got a couple of guys that have been around for a long, long time, have seen more soil tests and seen more soils, been in more fields than just about anybody on the planet. And both of those guys start the conversation out with calcium. So for you and for your farm, if you haven't paid attention to calcium, if you don't know, hey, is my calcium available in my soil and what I can do to get it there, this is a big, big topic. So please do some more research on that. Take a look into calcium and do some trial work on your own farm too to see what kind of response you get. All right, we're going to dive into the Ag PhD mailbag. All right. So uh, speaking about Neil Kinsey, I get this from from Lawrence who said, uh, I've got uh, a lawn redo in progress here this year. And uh, after going to the Neil Kinsey class this year, he had lots of suggestions of different nutrients that I would need. And uh, here is a picture of, of what I've put together. And he's got, let me count here, one, two, three, four five, six, seven, eight, nine different fertility sources that he's going to combine together to get uh, a lot of different nutrients here. I see zinc and I see uh, iron and potassium and copper, uh, just a, a number of different things he's going to address in his lawn. So that's awesome, Lawrence. That's, that's really cool. And actually, what would be kind of interesting, I'm betting you got some friends or some neighbors that would say, you know what, uh, your lawn looks awesome. What'd you do? Uh, you could certainly mix some up for them, too, depending on what their soils look like. I'm betting they're going to look fairly similar to yours. Um, that, that's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing the picture. Thanks for joining that Kinsey class this year, too, and good luck to you heading into the spring. Yeah, when, as we were talking to Dick Goff, one of the comments that Dick had made was, if you want to mow your lawn twice a week, <laughs> here's what you do. And I was thinking, I don't know if I want to mow my lawn twice a week, but I do want the lawn to be healthy and, and hold up to, to all the traffic that kids and pets and and uh, everything that, that goes on in a yard. All right, uh, let me jump over to James's question or comment here. He said, uh, you guys are talking about cover crops. One thing I, I, you should bring up is nitrogen deficiency in the planted spring crop because nitrogen is being used by soil bacteria 
breaking down that cover crop. My old soil fertility professor used to say you have to feed the bacteria before you feed the crop, and that can definitely be a reality. James, you're absolutely right on that. We've got to feed all the microbes in the soil first. So if we've got a crop that's going to tie up some nitrogen, if we've got a lot of residue that uh, the soil bacteria is going to be breaking down, and they're going to tie up some of the nitrogen that our crop's going to need, we've got to put a little bit of extra nitrogen out there just for that one year as we're getting that process going. So it's something to think about. And uh, I know like in continuous corn, we talk about that a lot, but cover crop is going to present some of those same types of situations. So thanks for the, the pointer there. Really appreciate that. Get this one from Trevor. We were talking about drainage tile, and Trevor says, what about for smaller acreages? I, I live on four and a half acres in a swampy area, and in the spring there's standing water after the snow melts. I'm in northern Alberta. I've tried having a garden, but it's such a heavy clay soil. I planted some fruit trees. They didn't make it. To, lilacs didn't make it. Uh, I've got a, a miniature Jersey cow. I'd like to have more of them, and I need to, to have uh, something to graze on for them. Um, so anyway, just thinking about drainage tile and running to a ditch along the highway. Uh, yeah, if you've got a place to outlet, you can definitely utilize tile. Now, I know a lot of people in residential areas where, where it's kind of flat and drainage is a challenge, they'll put some drainage tile even in those residential areas. Now, I don't know how long they're going to last. Out in a row crop field with annual crops, Tile can last 60 years, maybe even more, longer than, than I'm going to be around here. So uh, that's exciting that, that tile can last that long. But in a situation where you've got perennial grasses that are going to reach that, um, that might be a little bit more of a challenge. So you may adjust the depth of that tile that you put in, but it's something that you could say, look, it's not going to cost me that much because I've only got four and a half acres. Uh, I can afford to, to redo it five or 10 years down the road if I need to, if I have a problem. So that's something I would definitely look at, Trevor, especially where you're at. You, you just have a relatively short season. And once the frost comes out of the ground, that tile will work and help you control where that water table's at. So, yeah, I do think that would be a big deal for you. And I think that's something you should look into. All right. Got a question from from Hugh in terms of weed control in lawns. He said for a complete kill to reseed or, or overlay with sod, we use black plastic for two to four weeks in the sunny, hot part of the year. Uh, we water heavily first to activate weed seeds. Uh, another way to be smart and not try to keep up with your neighbors. Uh, a lawn can, can just be a waste of money by the time you start throwing a ton of chemicals and fertilizers and stuff after it. So uh, what, what we just try to do, get the weeds, weeds to grow, uh, and and we use this black plastic to, to wipe things out. And then he said, just mow. You guys don't don't need much else, and you could be the smartest guy in town. Hey, thanks, you. Really appreciate that. Yeah, there's a lot of tips and tricks to, to having a great lawn, and it does vary a little bit depending on where you're at in the country, so that's something to, to think about too. And, and weed control seems to be a hot topic right now. Got this one in from LG who said, when did Roundup become not labeled for lawn use? Well, that was this year. So just in the last few months here, that's happened where Roundup is no longer labeled for home use. And it's one of those concessions with all the lawsuits around Roundup, even though their human safety data, according to the government, has been really good. Uh, they, they still continue to get sued and they just decided 
eh, it's not smart money for us to to be in the home market. We want to save our, our use for, for crops in other areas. So, yep, you got to find another alternative now. Uh, there's a product called Freelex that's a new form of 2,4-D that, that doesn't have the volatility and drift issues. I mean, you can still, anything can move around if the wind's blowing 20 miles an hour, but uh, it, it's been a lot friendlier product, and there's certainly some other chemistries for lawn use, too, that can step in and replace some of the needs or, or some of the uses of Roundup. However, perennial weed control is, is probably the biggest challenge. We don't have anything like Roundup that'll get down into the roots of those perennials, so that's, that's where we're sure going to miss it. All right, got this one in for Brett. He said, I actually like some weeds in my lawn to add diversity. I also purposely seed in some clover. I like having some clover out there. You know, here's the cool thing about lawns and, and fields for that matter. It's whatever you want to make it. And if you prefer to do things a little different way and that just adds pleasure for you, I mean, really, what is a lawn about? It's about pleasure, isn't it? And if, if, it's, if that's what you enjoy and that's what you like to see out there, that's awesome. So thanks for the comment, Brett. We really appreciate that. The challenge for me, I don't like dandelions. And if I get them, I, I like to try to, to get them under control one way or another. And if there's too many of them, I'm going to want to spray them. And that's going to gonna ding up any clover. But uh, if, if you like having clover out there, that's, that's good for you as well. All right, Scott sent in a comment about the pros and cons of no-till. He said, very good. Emerging soil science is going further to strengthen the importance of reduced tillage. That's, that's neat too, Scott. There's a lot of research now on all the living things in soil. We were talking about calcium on the show today and just about how if we get that air exchange right and we get the physical properties right to the soil, it just allows so much more uh, robust biology in our soils and, and that can make a huge difference in our production. Uh, thanks for the comments. We appreciate that. Uh, get one more I think I'll have time for. This one comes from Brian. He said, I'm a hay producer in the Pacific Northwest. I'm wondering if I could put gibberellic acid out this spring with my broadleaf spray program to save fuel and time this spring. Uh, and he said, I'm generally using a 2,4-D product. The challenge with the 2,4-D or a dicamba is they are auxins, which are also growth hormones. Uh, and just like gibberellic acid is, just a different one. I would say avoid putting it out there with the other growth hormones if you could. I'd really like to, to separate those applications. I get it. It takes a little bit more time, but uh, when you're spraying jib acid, you can go a little bit earlier if you want than when you're going to be doing that 2,4-D. So for us on our farm, we would try to spread our risk that way. Now, if you're putting it out with fertilizer, so maybe you said, hey, I've got to put some nitrogen fertilizer out there or some other fertilizer, you could put the gibberellic acid right in with that. So maybe instead of putting it with your herbicide program, you put it with your fertilizer program and do it just a little bit earlier in the season. Hey, thanks, Brian. We really appreciate that question and, and good luck to you here as you get going this spring. Hopefully you have a great hay crop. The hay crop is absolutely worth really good money this year. So we got an awesome chance to profit if we can do a good job with management. So thanks for the question. Well, thanks for listening to our show today about calcium. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.